I came to these lands to escape my past, to start a new life. I can hide no longer. I do not want this war. We have suffered enough. Prophecy did not lead us here, nor will it win this battle. Wars are won by those that are willing to sacrifice everything. If that is the cost of vengeance, so be it. Hello there, and welcome to episode 29 of the video game podcast, PlayStation Pals. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the BD1 to Michael Kestis. John, John, I'm going to put you on the spot. First thing, this is our end-of-year wrap-up episode for 2022. What was the best episode of this podcast for 2022? <laughs> uh, the best episode? Yeah, what do you think is the best? I have a really shit memory with this stuff, man. (laughs) Um, But the things that stick out to me are are um, is our red alert. uh, You know, the the DefCon levels. Okay. You know, going through the DefCon levels, being very confident that there was going to be a showcase with absolutely nothing coming from that. So that stands out. I I know that doesn't probably qualify (laughs) as the best episode. Um, But but yeah, I think I think I tend to think of more of of the big moments you know that kind of stick out you know obviously our god of war discussions is a big part of the year um but yeah i I don't know if i I can name one episode why don't don't you enlighten me because i feel like you probably (laughs) you probably had something canned and ready to to go i do yeah we do we did have a lot of good segments the defcon level um playstation PlayStation pals franchise madness yeah um, the wheel yes. becoming a thing. Yes. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, my favorite episode is the one we did right after the game awards. Yeah. Uh, Where we were both at home. Yeah, we're, we were both at home, mm-hmm. and it was a fun show, and we had really good takes. Like when you see all the articles the next day, and we're like, oh yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about that. Oh, we mentioned that. It's oh, weird we though, that. like. When there's video game news, it makes it more fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that, surprising. That, I, that's probably a good call. I, I would agree with that one. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's funny. It's like we almost have we've almost started some lore within the show. It's like <laughs> yeah. the wheel and Defcons and yeah, it's it's cool, man. It continues to be a a pretty solid endeavor we're going on here. In fact, I probably we can talk about this next week is like the Defcon level again as we lead to <laughs> yeah, PlayStation probably. VR. Of, yeah. When is there going to be another and just, Sony showcase? And just first first party talk, man. <laughs> you know, lots lots to discuss. So so before we get into our 2022 wrap up, I quickly wanted to mention that the January PlayStation Plus Extra or Essential Games have been announced. Those three titles we get at the beginning of every month. Uh, this uh, for January, it is going to be Jedi Fallen Order, Axiom Verge 2, and Fallout 76. I can only speak on Jedi Fallen Order. Great game. Great time to play it. Mm-hmm. Sequel's coming in March. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that game. I platinum that game. Uh, it's good to have a nice, good Star Wars game. Good third-person action game. Did you um, ever play Axiom Verge 1? No. Mm-mm. I was, I was going to ask you about 
Axiom Verge two. Yeah, I um I want to check it out. Axiom Verge one is probably like no joke one of my favorite Metroidvanias I've probably ever played like it just there was something about the vibe of that game great soundtrack um aesthetics and everything like that problem i've heard with the second one is that while the first one is you know as you would expect projectile gun focused this is like more melee focused and it has Mm -hmm. like an open more of an open way to explore the map which leads to a lot of people getting lost and confused where they need to go next so you know because it's one of those games that's designed created top to bottom by one guy Mm -hmm. um so those are often i I like those things a lot because it really shows somebody has a specific vision for something but you know if if some ideas fall flat or some ideas aren't completely fleshed out you can really feel it so i'll check it out i'm not as stoked uh, for it as i was when i heard first heard the announcement of it but Something to at least check out, but Fallout 76 can, you know, go away because <laughs> nobody's got time for that. Yeah, yeah. So again, those will be available uh, on Tuesday, which is January uh, 3rd. Hey. So, all right. But again, before we move into our 2022 wrap up, we have to wrap up the PlayStation Pals franchise madness. Mm. John, mm. take it away. Well, as we as we figured out last week, Naughty Dog just is permanently in second place, I guess, because <laughs> they had two two big big IPs die in the in the semifinals. But we have t- a couple pairs of titans, man, going at each other. <laughs> obviously, with God of War and Spider Man. So I don't know if you just want to kind of get your initial thoughts out there, Nick. I don't know how you want to well, tackle this. I mean, it is funny they did go head to head in 2018. Well, for they game both, year. yeah, they both released that year. And God of War uh, beat it. It's beat Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a, a site that gave Spider-Man Game of the Year over God of War. No, that entire year was just God of War and Red Dead. Yeah. So, uh, um, but before I even wanted to get into this, I know you saw this question before, but I is is it cheating that Spider-Man's considered a Sony franchise? Because technically, it's not. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know I'm asking this question now after, <laughs> the after very it's had so, after it's had right, so guys, many matchups. God of War wins by disqualification. <laughs> um, so I, when I was making this list, it was one that I was a hesitant to put on because it felt, it did like you said, it felt it's so new. It's technically Spider-Man's owned by Sony, but like it's just this weird gray area and. Also, at the you know we still only have two games in the franchise. That's also like a big thing as well. Is that can you really call it a franchise when we've had 1.5 games made? Because Miles Morales, while great, is still short. But I think it does qualify because it is a game that is currently being developed by one of Sony's first-party teams. Right. It's one of the best-selling Sony games ever. Right. It's a fantastic game, and it's a series that we know full like we know for sure. Sony will be carrying this franchise as far as they possibly can. Oh, yeah. This isn't going anywhere. No. So while it is almost a little cheap because it's just like, hey, here's Spider-Man. Of course, it's you know, it's just such a powerful, <laughs> notable figure. Yeah, in, in pop culture in general, not just in Sony's right. <laughs> first-party stable. So, so I stand behind putting it in here. Um, Again, and just also full disclosure, when you fill out 32 of these things, you start you start to get a little thin. So, right. you know, but that was also the other side of it, too, is like what to rank it. I was thinking about ranking it a two for some of those reasons, but it, it just felt like it's just too strong. It's yeah, just too it's strong. Here. As we see, it's too strong. <laughs> yeah, it's so, here at the end. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so 
where do you feel on this one? Because me personally, yeah. I'm definitely more excited for Spider-Man 2, like a year ago. Spider-Man 2, I was more excited for than God of War Ragnarok. Okay. And I and I still think that holds true. Like, I, I Spider-Man 2 is like one, next year, one, our next podcast and next year, when we talk about our 2023, there's going to be, Spider-Man 2 is going to be the new God of War. It's yes. going to appear in a lot of podcasts because we're going to kind of kind of want to keep talking about it. So yeah, and obviously, you know, when we're we're talking about this final matchup, we got to analyze this from pretty much every single angle. And so, you know, when you're talking about, you know, past past prowess as an IP, present prowess as an IP, and future prowess as an IP, Spider-Man might have a little edge on the future side of things. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to kind of take all of that into <laughs> into the equation. And when so my gut for this is God of War is the superior franchise. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's it's a more storied franchise. You know, yes, their Spider-Man games go back forever, but when it comes to Sony right. being in charge of it, it's got a more storied history. I think God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok are better than Spider-Man or Miles Morales. Um, and I think just the characters themselves are stronger. Yeah, Spider-Man is iconic. He's, you know, he's great. But what you can do with what they did with Kratos and Atreus is is so much more impactful than anything I could possibly imagine Spider-Man ever reaching. And some mm-hmm. bias of me and my comic book disdain might bleed into this <laughs> a little bit. But like, I just when I when I look for the complete package to feel things, to have fun while I'm playing it, graphically amazing, voice a- voice acting, music, every single thing that God of War does, does it beautifully, with rare exception of like maybe the fast travel system could be a little bit better, maybe some of the RPG mechanics could be a little bit better, but I just, when you talk about a complete package of a, of a series as a franchise, I don't know how it couldn't be that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious as to like a year from now how we would feel as we're as Spider-Man 2 is in our rearview mirror. Yeah. Uh, whether or not, not to say that game could be bad. Like we may feel the same, but um, it will be interesting uh, with Spider-Man 2 being PS5 only and what Insomniac brings to that game that we haven't seen a single ounce of any type of footage. Um, yeah. But uh. Well, and, and yeah, I think you know that that might. I just thought of something is that God of War gets a special leg up because it was it, it's had the amount of time to reinvent itself. The only reason that God of War is as far as it is is because of 2018 and God of War Ragnarok. If those two games didn't exist, God of War would have got knocked out in the second round probably. Right. But because it had the time to reinvent itself, it really was able to push past where you would expect it to land and sure. get to the top tier. Spider-Man... I, I mean, I hope Insomniac can pull out some crazy punches and really really get us to, you know, kind of not realize what we wanted with a Spider-Man game. I just, I don't, besides adding co-op in, I cannot visualize Spider-Man 2 being anything better, or not better, but more than just, maybe the map's a little bit bigger, it's a little denser, maybe you can go into buildings, maybe you can have extra web mechanics and things like that, but... right. God of War has all that good fun stuff, but the narrative on top of that is what pushes it. It's like it's got Last of Us narrative with Spider-Man gameplay. It's kind of like, right. you know, You're right? How, yeah, how Spider-Man is derivative. It even when Sony was not making these games, this is very much like the older Spider-Man games, and one could say that the combat is taken right from 
the other superhero game, the Arkham series, Batman, mm-hmm. he uses all the same uh, counter mechanics and uh, kind of the way your kind of character magnetizes himself between all the enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is there is that to it too. And and yeah, as you said, I think the reason Spider-Man Two will be co-op is because that is really the only innovation that they can really bring to the table is uh, you know having more than one playable character and being able to play with your friends. I mean that'll be That'll be a huge selling point, you know. If it was just Spider-Man 2, you're still in New York. Yeah. Because um, we don't know where the location. Well, and that's so I was actually just going to bring that up. Is like you could go to – I don't think you can take Spider-Man away from New York. I think yeah. you have to be there. So you could do the boroughs, right? You could do Queens, Bronx, whatever. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is it's not vertical. Right. You know, every single one of those places besides Manhattan – is not a playground for Spider-Man. Right. We saw that in Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, yeah I, you know, sure, it'd be, you go to Chicago or, or, you know, I mean, he goes to Europe and, and far from right. home. There, there could be sections of that. Or, you know, if it, you know, if Miles and Peter are both playable characters, maybe Miles has to go somewhere. And, and right. then you get, you know, and that's how you get this new map that maybe we didn't know of. And, that, you know, right. if that was a thing, it'd be like the biggest, you know, mind-blowing moment possible. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, let's not try and focus too much on the, the game that we had know nothing about. So True. That really doesn't have a, 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 you know, it doesn't take much of an effect on the, what we're arguing here. So One thing that is interesting for me specifically is, like, I do think, like, 10 or 15 years from now, looking back at Spider-Man, I'm going to get real teary-eyed because if just how special that game is with me and my son. <laughs> True. So, like, you know, that is also something that just, you know, pulls on me in a different way. But also God of War because it's a father and son it's story. A, and it's, it's like maybe my favorite game ever. So, <laughs> you know, one of the best series ever. So, yeah, it, it's, it's very, you know, you could tackle this from any angle, and right. I don't think there's a wrong answer. No. I just... It's the final two games. Like, it's, they're yes. both winners, you know? It's not like <laughs> yeah. we're trashing on the other one because the other one beats it. So I want to know, Nick, and I need you to tell me with, with truth. Hey, you got new shoes. With, new, with truth, if you were to write your answer on a ballot and slide it across to me, what would it say for what <laughs> one you want to win? You know, as much as I really love Spider-Man, I kind of want God of War to win. Yeah. I think it is the base of Sony's franchises right now and as it cleaned up at the it didn't win game of the year but it cleaned up at the game awards again yeah. for everything else yeah. music story every just everything you know so i just yeah i think it is the face of Sony's current I think it is too. I yeah. think we. I think we got there. I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we? Are we locking it in? Yeah. I don't think you're gonna argue with me, are you? <laughs> no. No. I, I. To to present an argument for Spider-Man to overtake it, I don't think I could. So. And I'm I, sure nobody's surprised. <laughs> no. And that's like kind of the bummer of it all. It's like I feel like from week one you could be like, yeah, it's gonna be God of War. You're right. <laughs> right, right. Oh, the new game's coming out. They love it. Of course it is. So. You know, yeah. The timing also. Is right. Like, so trying to trying to detach ourselves from that, but I gotta admit too. Even if Ragnarok came out next year, I I would have fought for God of War probably just as hard, like because I really 2018 was a special and, thing. And even just foreshadowing, I'm sure God of War is going to come up a lot in this episode as we talk about nope. our best of 2020. Not from so. me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there we have it. God of War Ragnarok. God of War franchise is the winner. You know, congrats. Uh, you know, Sony Santa Monica. You know, what a great franchise. For 
decade plus, you know. Mm-hmm. So big question is, yeah, where does it go from here? I mean, that's 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 when you know something we don't know. This this could be a franchise we don't see again for seven eight years. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I don't know if that would be wise because you know, especially with Sony having this multi-tiered you know media thing where they got their TV shows and all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it'll it'll be back in some form as, yep. as we maybe that Atreus sequel we're mm. we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on. We can finally get into the 2022 wrap up. Uh, before we get into ours, though, we did get a few submissions from listeners. Yay! Uh, the first one I want to bring up is nemesis of the show, Jake. <laughs> uh, he is when we mentioned the trophy wars. It is all because of him and because of this one stat. He got 22 platinum trophies in 2022. Mm-hmm. 22. But the funniest part about it, Nick, how many total did he have before he got any of those? I think it was four or five. Yeah, it was like three or four. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Jake found out he knew that Nick and I you know, love games the way we do, but he made it a personal mission to... <laughs> To get into second place, because I have a sizable lead on Nick, or I did, still do. Yeah. Um, but you know, he made a mission to pass Nick. I think he's one up on you right now. Yeah, he is. A, he is one. You know, up so it's me. like he, he really he really <laughs> stalled once he got above you. He was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got his sights on me yeah. next. So hopefully. yeah, next year it'll be you. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You can't compete with 22 a year. I've gotten I've gotten 11 this year, so yeah, I'm half. <laughs> I'm half, but I think I'm up. I think I got 12 or 13 on him now. So we'll see. All right. And then pal of the show, Mark, uh, John's, boy. John's boy, and we, as we learn now, uh, he shared his uh, stats. Uh, just some interesting ones in there. He had 862 hours played. That nice. is impressive. Well done, Mark. That beats me, as we'll get into. Okay. Um, this top game, and this is why he's, he's with John, is Elden Ring mm-hmm. at 184 hours. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, Mark, when you first wrote in, you know, and you mentioned that John has superior taste, I joked with Nick, I was like, I wonder what that's about. It's either because he likes Souls games and he knows I do too, or because he thinks you're an idiot for playing Saints Row. <laughs> it was like, what of the two? So, uh, and, and as sure I'm sure Nick's about to read, it wasn't just Elden Ring, you know, that kind of proved that point. So. Yeah, his uh, number two was Bloodborne, his number three, Dark Souls Remastered. Oh boy. Uh, and that was at 14% and 12%. And then wrapping up with MLB The Show at 6%. And Final Fantasy VII, the original, at 4%. Baseball's my favorite sport, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you guys are peas in a pod. Yeah, um, yeah and he did he did get a bunch of Platinums, too. He got he got a Platinum for Bloodborne and Dark Souls Remastered. I don't have those. That's impressive. Yeah, that's some that's some good stuff. So. Especially the Dark Souls one. <laughs> So hopefully we'll you'll have some Souls news next year as I'm sure Elden Ring will get DLC and you can and I didn't I did want to note about it, the hours he put into it that's like the sign of like a great game like a single player game yeah kind of like what Skyrim was to a lot of people that you can put it in 184 hours and probably still wants to play more like you know that's we'll, we'll get into it more when we talk about games of the year but it's just. It's mind-blowing how flexible that game is. Right. How you can have so many different builds, so many different ways to tackle it. They feel valid and entirely different. And so, yeah, it's just... And still fun. And still fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that you want to play that much. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mark, for writing in again. We appreciate it. And, yeah, great great stuff. 
you had definitely a great year in PlayStation. Nice. <laughs> For did, someone who just got back into it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> did uh, Jake give you more of his stats or, or no? No. No. no okay. we only, we, the only one that matters is the 22 Platinum. Yeah. Like, that is that is insane. I know he said I think his most played game was Cyberpunk. Right. Yeah, so, so was it. Over 100 hours. So. All right, man. Well, you want to go over yours first? Yep. So here we're going to read the games that, again, as we talk about what we're going to award our awards to games that we played this year and completed, not just games that came out this year. Because again, as me and John, you know, this is a secondary hobby. Uh, we're always catching up. We try to keep on top of all the big releases, but uh, you know, a lot of things slip through our fingers, like like Elden Ring and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, so so here are the games that I completed and are eligible for my for winning the categories. We'll get into later. So I have Horizon Forbidden West. Deathloop, Cyberpunk 2077, The Quarry, TMNT Shredder's Revenge, Strick, Marvel's <laughs> Avengers, Strick, The Artful Escape, A, the, A Plague Tale Innocence, Saints Row, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Chicory A Colorful Tale, Spirit Fair, The Last of Us Part 1, A Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, and Neon White. Yeah, you got you got good taste, Nick. Pretty <laughs> yeah, good. that's a pretty good list. Pretty good list of games. Yeah, 18 total games, seven of them from PS Plus or Extra. I platinumed eight of the games, and then nine of them are games that actually did come out this year. So, and then just to get into my hours here, uh, 668 hours total, with Rocket League and Cyberpunk 2077 tying at 101 each. Wow. Followed by GTA Online at 76, Horizon Forbidden West at 56, and God of War Ragnarok at 52. So, yeah, this was a good year. You know, when you think about all those games and how varied it is, you know, PlayStation Plus Extra really helped. uh, And just the essential games, too, being very good. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's kind of like a little, you know, uh, backup to when you're not playing the brand new stuff. So... It's always important to keep a healthy backlog, man. I mean, we all joke about it, I think, every once in a while. But, you know, to have something just to fall back on, yeah, in those times is, is I don't know, it's just, it's not a healthy way to game, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a good way to just make sure that you're always, I don't know, playing something you want to play as opposed to right. settling for something less than less than what you want right. to spend your time with. As you, as you kind of got into last week about, like, there's so many good games to play, why... Right. Play, you know, less than satisfying. I play Bio Mutant Jake. <laughs> yeah, good. You know, play play a game that puts a smile on your face. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's also to say, if that game is Bio Mutant or anything else, like you know, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. As long as it's not Stray, don't play Stray. Stray. Strap. <laughs> All right, John. What is your 2022 wrap-up? All right. So the games that I've beaten. I didn't do the little breakdown like you did with games that came out this year, PS Plus and all that stuff, so sorry. No, that's all right. But I have played this year Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ooh. Horizon Forbidden West, Grease, or Gree, G-R-I-S. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, Undertale, Doom Eternal, The Quarry, my favorite, Descenders, Death's Door, The Artful Escape, Strat, Deathloop, Cuphead, Goat Simulator, Gone Home, God of War Ragnarok, and then 
I had to put these on the list, even though they're not PlayStation games, Into the Breach and Vampire Survivors. <laughs> and then I want to also just have a little bit of honorable mention for Elden Ring. I've probably put in 15 hours. I just haven't beaten it. So, like, that's why it's, you know, it's it's probably not as... I'm not going to be able to talk about it as much as I want to today. Yeah, you won't, you won't have Mark's knowledge. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, well, as you see when we get into some of the categories, I'm sure there's some things that will fit in. But uh, and then Ghost Runner, uh, I think that game's awesome. I just haven't beaten it. Uh, Disco Elysium, I got a lot of playtime in. Want to finish it, but just haven't. And then The Last of Us Part 1 got kind of um, usurped by God of War Ragnarok. I'll get back to it eventually. <laughs> um, but then, let's see. So, for my wrap-up, now, again, disclaimer for me, because I have a little boy, <laughs> and I've tried to get him on his own account, but he loves mine, and he just that's where he wants to play. So... <laughs> I have more of a life than this, but I've gamed for 1,178 <laughs> hours this year. Oh, 1,178. Wow. That, that PlayStation has paid for itself yes. over and over again. Yes. Impressive. Yeah, yeah. she, she puts in the work. Um, and I just hit back on my page. Okay, so my breakdown for those games. Number one, I don't even want to say it. Number one, Descenders. <laughs> All right. Again, I have a five-year-old boy. I think any listener with kids understands yeah. so that you're, you're not alone. All right. December. How many hours, Nick? <laughs> of the 1,000? Yeah. Oh, man. God. I want to say half, but I'm going to go a little lower. Oh, I'm going to be like 400. 227. Okay. <laughs> uh, yep. 227 hours of that game. <laughs> yep. 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 Number two, Rocket League. 148 hours. Yeah. That is my guilty pleasure. I play it with my, my buddy who lives in Colorado. Uh, returning from last year's uh, wrap-up, <laughs> Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man, 104 hours. Uh, my son does other things besides play video games. And then uh, the games I played this year, actually. Uh, number four, yeah, Horizon probably. Forbidden West, 80 hours. And number five, God of War Ragnarok, 72, which is weird because my clock in the game says like 51, but, you know, sure. is what sure, it is. Sure. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, so both, that's both good lists. Yeah, you know, if I didn't have my son in there, I I don't know what my other games would be. I actually kind of wish I knew. Like if I didn't have Spider-Man Descenders, if I didn't have Spider-Man Descenders, I definitely would have Rocket League. I don't know what would what would fit in there. Right. Probably Returnal. Like Returnal and like Elden Yeah, I'm just trying maybe. to think of know. a game that you would have put a lot of time into that Final Fantasy 7 maybe? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's a good Might have been that one, but yep. So Yeah, uh you guys need to game more. Catch up with me and me and my son. <laughs> all right. So again, all those games we listed are eligible for any of these awards. The the six awards we got going here. So just keep that in mind. Uh, so let's let's get into it. And the very first one we're going to talk about is best indie game. And uh, how this works is we're each going to bring a nominee that we want to, and then we're going to pick from our own nominees. Uh, each of us. We're so not Nick and I are each going to have our winners. Yeah, it's not going to be a combined thing. Yeah, correct. So uh, I'll start it off with John's favorite game, and that's Stray. <laughs> you, you nominated Stray, you yes. piece of shit. John, <laughs> I know you don't like the game, but there's a lot of things going for it. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. Great art direction, mm -hmm. the perfect length. It kind of really kicked off PlayStation Plus Extra, like a reason to get it. I will give you that. Um, it was the talk of the internet. and well, the internet's wrong about a lot of things. And it was Game of the Year nominee. Yeah. So I know like you, you, you didn't hate it enough to not platinum it. 
So you did platinum it, but... I, it, I kid, I joke, I, <laughs> I, I get in these moods. It's not the worst game I've ever played. I just have a problem. I think I mostly just have a problem with it given, getting nominated for Game of the Year. Like, I, I think that's what it is because, <laughs> you know, yes, it's the perfect length, but that's not a reason that game is good, is that it's four hours long. Well, I think it, maybe if it was longer, I might be a little bit more on your side of, like, the gameplay is sure. just not... Not there, but I think like it just like pop in and pop out. It was it was like I said, it was a great demonstration of why you should get extra yeah. for games like you wouldn't have spent thirty dollars on Stray. No, you probably would have felt bad if you did. Hundred percent. But as a like a, a built-in add-on to this service, it, it did the job and it put a lot of eyes on the service itself. Like if you wanted to play Stray, you subscribed to PlayStation yeah. Plus Extra. I did. I my fair, I mean, you got you got me there. It's just <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. There's there's no narrative really. <laughs> you could argue, you know, sure, you can get real pedantic with me if you want. There, <laughs> the gameplay is hitting X on a ledge, and the only real game, like the only real gameplay, is when you have to ch- run away from those damn head crabs. Like, you <laughs> well, know. it's an adventure game through yeah, and through. Like, grab this beautiful. for that and other things. I feel like they could have done a, like. I just remember being lost in that small city more than I should have been. Right. I'm like, where do I go next? What do I need to do? Give me some markers. Give me something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was beautiful. People love their cats. If it was a dog game, I probably wouldn't have said a damn bad word about it because like, I love dogs. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, yeah. So we don't need to make this four hours. No. I guess. <laughs> no. No. I'm not a, yeah. You know, go. Yeah. Go ahead. What's your What's your nominee? All right. So, actually, similar in the same vein of a game that you kind of bounced off of, uh, Death Store. Mm, yeah. Death yeah. Store, I thought was just delightful. Um, I thought again, it had you know, like a lot of good indie games do, it had great art direction. Um, you know, a little lovable crow character, and I just, I just kind of vibed with the simplicity of the combat, the you know, and the size of the world. It, it kind of was one of those where you start going into it and it feels very big, but once you start to realize, you know, the level design and how things are laid out, it's not too overwhelming and. Right. Um, you know, I liked it enough to, to play through it twice to get the platinum, and uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, a, a pretty good one this year. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's amazing. It's not the best indie game I've ever played, but it was definitely worthy of a nomination. That, that piano soundtrack always sticks with me. Like, I'll always remember it. Like, yep. I always picture it in my head. Uh, yeah, good choice. Uh, my next nominee is the recent game Neon White that we gushed about last week. Uh, the first-person trial-based game uh, with the visual novel cutscenes <laughs> that you heard last week about a girl spitting spitting. my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a great game, hands down. Uh, I'm with John that I think it should have gotten more attention than Stray. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 a great game, and I, I, I wish I could still be playing it, but we'll get into that later <laughs> uh, in another episode of what happened with me and Neon White. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Tragedy. It's a horror story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also have Neon White as a nomination. Okay. Um, yep. So you know, again, not to not to belabor these points, go over it. It's just uh, what it set out to do. It did it very very well, and it's got some very clever level design and interesting mechanics that I think make it fresh and you know, uh, you know, just captures that you know reasons why we play video games, yeah. why we're excited to jump back into something. I can't wait for you to see the later cards in the game because. It oh just, really? Yeah, there's some really good ones. They're really fun. Okay, so. <laughs> that's good. Because I will say, like, I, I'm gonna, I haven't got into it as much as you have, but like, I do get the sense that like, there's 97 missions. I feel like when I'm on mission like 47, I'm be like, Ugh, I'm so burnt out right <laughs> no, now. Every every mission has a theme, and okay. yeah, later theme is really good. So cool. All right. Yeah. 
So I guess do I go again then if we both had? <laughs> yeah, just just do your last one. Yep, I'll do my last yep. one. My last one is Spirit Fair. This is a great game. It was added to PlayStation Plus Extra. It was a management sim game in which you ferry uh, spirit animals to uh, to cross over, and it had a bunch of fun, uh, great art style, uh, fun sim. Uh, deep story if you've ever dealt with the the loss of a loved one this is just maybe a very cathartic game to play uh, to get you over that Um, and a lot of the developers credit that in the credits of the game so uh, just a great game and again another showcase of PlayStation Plus Extra putting a game in front of me that I wouldn't normally have played but so glad that I did Spirit Fear is very excellent who who recommended that game to you? (laughs) John? Yeah. Yeah, that game, that game is real special. <laughs> I played it on Xbox when it came out just because I, when I had COVID, um, it was just one of the games that I wanted to check out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, just a, I don't like management sim kind of games, but there's something just wholesome about that one. Right. Super, super wholesome. All right. And then my last indie game of the year, this one definitely did not come out this year, but it was one of the most special gaming experiences I had this entire year. And that is Undertale. Yeah. Um, you know, this this game is just, you know, I think the running theme with indie games is uniqueness. If you can be unique, if you can kind of tackle something in a different way than, than a lot of the big publishers do or whatever the case, you're, you're going to at least get eyes on you. And this game is funny, it's heartfelt, it's clever, it's got a very interesting battle style. But, like, just, I've, I can't recall more like smiling more while I'm going through a game than playing Undertale. There's just so many little moments that you're just kind of the catch you by surprise or you know the one that I always think about is the the enemy dog that you have to fight or whatever, you know, you don't fight really. You cannot fight anybody if you don't want to, but you every time you pet them their head gets longer and then it goes above the screen and then it starts to come back down. And it's just like what what is going on? But you're smiling the whole way and uh I you know, I'm I'm really happy I finally got to it. It's been one that I've been pushing off for a while just because it is so different that it's it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it initially but once you once you let it let it grab a hold of you man it's uh it's a very memorable memorable uh experience great soundtrack and uh yeah another game made by one guy toby fox is is pretty <laughs> awesome so undertale for sure man yeah cool yeah i definitely was expecting that one yeah so my winner for best indie game this shouldn't be a surprise. It's Neon White. Yeah. <laughs> what a great surprise at the end of the year. What an addictive game. Uh, it has most tightest controls. Like you, ne- mm-hmm. When you make a mistake, just like we mentioned with other games like Returnal or Hades, mm-hmm. you make mistakes in this game, it's on you. Mm-hmm. It was not the game. So uh, just, just awesome. What an awesome game. What an awesome presentation and just overall package. It's near perfect game. So Beautiful. that is my best indie game of the year. Yeah, that's a great pick, man. It's it's my runner-up, but you know I got to give it to Undertale. Um, you know what I just said. Uh, super special, super uh, everything. Just check out Undertale if you haven't played it. Came out in 2015, so it's you know even when it's not on sale, I think it's 15 bucks. So if you ever see it on sale, you've been curious about it at all. Um, check it out. It's also got a pretty easy main you know manageable platinum if you're into that kind of thing. Okay. Cool. Yay. All right. Next category, John. Take it away. Best boss fight. So it's going to be any boss fight we've encountered throughout the year. Um, 
And yeah, so I'll just jump right into it. First one I am going to pick. Now, again, I'm going to keep saying this, but I do have asterisks with Elden Ring. I have not gotten through it, so there's bosses I know like Mel- Melania. That might be Melania yeah. Trump. I don't think it's Melania, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one that uh, the red let me solo her, you know, had to deal with. Um, but I'm, I'm going with Godric the Grafted, who is... Uh, the first, or he's the boss of Stormvale Castle, one of the very first huge dungeons you come across in the game. And, you know, if you've ever played a From Software game, I don't think anybody needs to explain how special their en- enemy and boss designs are. This is no exception. It's this hulking, gross man beast thing with like arms kind of yeah, like he was, coming he was out featured of, in like the first yeah, trailer yeah if yeah. you've seen a trailer of this game you've seen this dude yeah. but like what really kind of set this one over the top for me is again if you're familiar with souls fights usually there's a phase shift oftentimes halfway through when you get to the halfway point with this you know the, the fight stops it pauses gets into a cutscene. godric cuts off his own arm and then finds a dragon head on a pillar next to you, attaches it to his arm, and then he's got a dragon flamethrower <laughs> yeah. that he's launching at you through this fight. And I remember when that happened, I just couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, and got some epic Elden Ring type dialogue while it's going on as well. But, you know, it just, it was a, uh, you know, awesome standard from soul, from software fight. I, again, I would probably have some other others on this list if I got through all of Elden Ring before this year, but who knows? Maybe I'll be able to bring them next year when we do <laughs> right. this. So, uh, Godric the Grafted. Nice. All right. So Are you taking the obvious one? No, I won't take the obvious okay. one. I'm going to take the Tide Ripper from Horizon Forbidden West. Ooh. Do you remember which one was the Tide Ripper? Yeah, that's like the the the. the this is gonna be a stupid analogy, but Lapras from Pokemon. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's kind of what he yeah. is. I forget the dinosaur that it's is like Loch Loch Ness monster kind of thing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like the yeah, like the Loch Ness monster. Uh, you fight this thing for the first time in uh, the. That world's equivalent of Las Vegas. It's been destroyed. Cool moment. As Aloy, you like get to go underwater, you know, to, to retrieve an item, and it's kind of teased in the background as it's swimming around in the water. And uh, as you go through the level, and then finally get towards the end, it's finally revealed, and it's just yeah, it's just a big hulking boss. Uh, it shoots water at you. It, you know, it's just, it just a, again, and a game featured with giant creatures. This one just really stood out. It's in a cool location. I think you, you have turned the lights on at this point, so all the Las Vegas lights are going off. Uh, just, just a really fun fight. It was not particularly challenging in any way, but just a memorable uh, beast to fight in Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, I mean that that game, you know, really is at its best when you're fighting those giant monsters and like, mm-hmm. you know, I think the Tremor Tusk was featured so heavily in the marketing material that like yeah. when you saw it, it was cool, but like okay, I know this is here, so right. you know, anytime you would come across, yeah, the the Tide Ripper or I don't remember the name of the Snapping Turtle, whatever that right. was, or the or the yeah. snakes, like those were yeah. the moments so that I, they really stuck with me because because uh, yeah, I mean that's that's why you play. A game where you're fighting robot machines like you right. want to fight the cool ones like i think in um burning sands it's like what the scorpion burning looks shores. to be burning shores yeah. it's gonna be like the scorpion looks to be like kind of the the one that they at least highlighted in the right. marketing material and in so. forbidden or the frozen wilds that was it was the polar bear one was like the featured one yeah so, so yeah the burning shores will be the same way it'll be well, yeah what what are we gonna see in that game i want to fight know? a giant panda bear because <laughs> it just kind of rolls around <laughs> <laughs> all right all right my next pick uh going back to undertale uh sans 
uh, Sans fight. Now, this is almost—it's kind of a hidden fight, and, and without getting into too much of Undertale, there's two very different ways to play this game. You can either go the pacifist route, where you're kind of like doing a funny reasoning with the enemy, much like I explained with the dog, where you can instead of fight him, you can pet him, and then his head grows, right? And you can get out of the fight that way. But if you do the uh, so it's the pacifist route or the genocide route, which is where you're fighting everybody. And if you do the genocide route, you will fight Sans at the end of the game. And Sans is kind of like your buddy through this entire thing. He's he's like this chummy, you know, um, silly, funny kind of guy that really just wants to kind of hang out with you and, and be your friend throughout the whole game. Uh, but again, if you if you kill enough people, like he's gonna he's gonna want to try and fight you. And this this boss fight is insanity. Um, I don't know how much we want to get into like just the the right. gameplay style of it, but you're you're moving this little heart in a box underneath what's like the picture of the enemy above you. Look it up if you're curious, but it's insanity. But like the really the thing that really sticks in my mind with this fight is Megalovania is playing while you fight him. Of course, <laughs> Megalovania is one of the dopest um, yep. audio. We we had it featured on the show yep. before. Yeah, uh, one of the dopest audio tracks I've seen in video games in a long, long, long time, and it's just kind of a good. It's just a good, um, you know, cap on the experience of Undertale. It's a good final boss. It's got great music. You know, you you kind of are expecting to fight him on this at this point, but you know, when you do, you, you know, it's just kind of a, a cool thing and uh, yeah, very memorable. So, Sans. <laughs> All right. Well, one franchise has been absent of this. Our award-winning franchise, God of War. Uh, we got to talk about some of those bosses. Ah, dude, those all suck. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, we were going to mention Garm. Uh, when we talked about God over Ragnarok, I had asked John what his favorite boss fight was, and he said Garm, and he's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garm is a giant wolf, and by giant, I mean it takes up the whole screen. Uh, it was for me featured in the promotional trailer for the game, and uh, the boss fight does not disappoint. Garm has massive chains on him that he's flinging at you, that you're grabbing and using to fuck with him and choke him out at one point. And he just keeps coming back, like just running down hallways while Garm just rips it to shreds all around you. Just God of War is built on its memorable boss fights. That's kind of the one of the staples of the franchise. And this is it. This is the fight that you will remember. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've said it before, but if there's one thing that 2018 didn't really get right with God of War, it was the boss fights, and this was exactly exactly what I was <laughs> I was wanting from the team. Mm-hmm. You know, the the whole fight starts off by Kratos flying himself onto Garm's uh, muzzle or snout, and like you know, using his fucking blades to dig into him. He's flying around, he's doing like the cameras going all over the place, like very much similar to how the PS2 and PS3 games operated, where you go on the Colossus of Rhodes or the Hydra or whatever the case. Um, but like, yeah, you said it's just it continuously surprises when you choke him out and you're like dead. You know, the XP for Atreus and Kratos pops. You're like, I'm good. And then when it happens, you know, when, when Garm comes back, like, you can actually, Kratos actually sounds panicked. Like, I watched the fight again today, and he, and, and, and Atreus goes, what do we do? And he's like, I, I do not know. Run. <laughs> run. Run. And it's just, you know, it's it's very rare that you see Kratos like that. Um, so you kind of felt a little bit of tension there. And then, uh, and then yeah, and like mentioning, like, he doesn't have a soul to kill, so we cannot kill him, which is right. at that moment that, of course, as, you know, the, the culmination of this fight, which is one of the best moments in the entire game yes when you transfer that soul of Fenrir into Garm 
and you see the transformation of uh, you know this mean wolf that wants to rip you to shreds to this lovable puppy that wants to lick your yeah, face yeah. is as dog dick as a dog. I got two. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't really get much better than that. And that's another thing to mention about best boss fights is like a satisfying conclusion to it. Yeah. Whatever happens, you know, most games it's like ah we destroyed it or whatever it blows up, you know. Or, you know, in Souls games, it just disappears, you know? Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, this had such a satisfying conclusion and just, just a great moment. Yeah. And, and one other thing that I noticed about it today, too, is, is like, you know, it's it's like a 15, 20-minute boss fight when everything all together. Right. And so there's actually, like, a decent amount of, of dialogue between Kratos and Atreus. And this part of this, the game was right after Atreus comes back from Asgard for the first time. Right. So, like, Kratos is kind of talking to be like, what did you learn while you were over there? And he's like, well, I learned that we work to be- better together if you, we trust each other. And then, I like, right after that, Kratos is, Atreus is like, I know what to do. He's like, all right, go right. do it. Right. And it so was- it's like, yeah, it's like kind of this, you know, it's this building moment of their relationship and, you know, juxtaposition and with the background drop of fighting this massive wolf. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. That's also, I, always, I obviously, obviously have that on my list, so I don't have another one. Um, okay. Yeah. So you have one more, or is that it? Yeah, I have one more. Okay. Uh, and just continuing with God of War Ragnarok, uh, the other great fight is Nidhogg. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're going to uh, try and free Freya from her curse, uh, this thing is protecting it, and it is a giant salamander-looking creature with vicious claws and the ability to teleport itself in and out of the environment. Yeah. It's just, again, a great boss fight, a, a memorable, epic God of War boss fight, which, again, talking about conclusions to a fight, uh, this one has a great one where you, you know, you close a portal on its head. Yeah, it's just, that was a pretty awesome moment. And it's kind of like when you kind of, Freya is kind of just introduced as like a secondary character, so just fighting alongside one of, well, we'll get to later, one of the cooler characters in the whole franchise in the, the reboot, Freya. Uh, just to fight alongside her and have her help you put the finishing blow on this thing. Mm-hmm. Just just a great moment. Again, very memorable. Yeah. Oh, it's a great pick. I, yeah, especially, like you said, that portal closing on the head. It's like... The only thing I can think of I've ever seen is seeing anything like that is, is like Ragnarok. You know, mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, the right. movie. It's like almost exactly how that dragon dies in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a good pick, man. I mean... It was either going to be, if I was going to include another God of War boss, it would have either been that one or Gryla. Gryla was pretty cool, too. Yeah, a lot of um, people like that one. You know, too. so. But, yeah, those three were those three boss fights were better than any boss fight in 2018's <laughs> version, for sure. So, um, they definitely worked on that and did it did it well. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I have my choice. I don't know about you. Yeah, go, go ahead. It's Garm, baby. <laughs> Gotta be Garm. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know if we, we should have a term for this when we both pick the same thing. It's a boondoggle. Mine, yeah, <laughs> mine is also Garm. Just, again, fantastic, memorable God of War. Yeah. This is this is why you play it for moments like that. So. Yeah, I wonder if, like, if it didn't resolve the way it did, I wonder if, it, if I'd, I'd have a harder time picking this. But I think it's just, like you said, the, the, the ending of that fight and how he becomes your dog is like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Oh, I'm sorry. Honorable mention, all of Cuphead. I couldn't. I I just. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know. Sure. They're all great. (laughs) All of Cuphead. All right. So now moving on to best performance. This is by a male or female voice actor in a game. Uh, I'll start things off. Let's continue God of War because she got done dirty. She did. Freya, played by Daniel Basuti from God of War Ragnarok. She is incredible, and 
what is great about her character compared to like Kratos doesn't really have the range. He's either really angry or he's very calm. You know, Freya's character is all over the place. She's a mess at the beginning of the game because her son died, and then she kind of has the like this uneasy alliance with Kratos to kind of finding mutual respect. Uh, the moment where she reunites with her brother was great. Just she killed it. Every every scene she was in, even the ending fight with Odin, when she has that noose around his neck and she's just like, mm-hmm. just like satisfyingly enjoying this moment where she's getting revenge on Odin. Just, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. She's definitely the – she's a nominee for me as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was the surprise of the game, I think, just in terms of performances. You know, and it's, I think because we knew her from the first game where she took a much more – uh, much a much bigger backseat to Kratos and Atreus, and she was pretty front and center in this one, um, to the point where I can't I can't believe she didn't get nominated. And right. and like no disrespect to Sonny, he's great, but like Atreus was just fine throughout the entire game. Yeah. I was still kind of waiting for that moment with him where it's like, okay, where's this huge performance coming from? You know, because he got nominated at the Game Awards, but she didn't. Um, so. I, I think she, you know, I, I would hope that she starts to get a lot of roles. And I don't know if I don't know if she's going to be one of those actresses. Do you know if she does a lot of movies and TV or if she's... I have no idea. I've never looked up her filmography okay. or if she's been in other games that we know of. Yeah, I just wonder if, like, you know, she wants to try and throw her hat in the ring of just, you know, getting more video game roles or, like, branch out into the movie TV space. But either way, if I see her attached to something, I'm definitely going to... You know, be funny people. that you mention it because it's just unrelated. I just recently found out an Andor character uh, played. Um, oh God! Now why am I in The Witcher Three? His main love interest, Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer. Okay. The character in Andor just played Jennifer, and I was just, my mind was blown. I was like, oh, I love this character even more now. This actress, Jennifer. Jennifer's the dark-haired one, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. That's my yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know why my brain skipped on that, but yeah, that same moment, Daniel Basuti's probably in something else we know of. But maybe I'll watch Andor. <laughs> All right, so I guess I gotta go again since that was also yours. I don't know. I can go if you want. It's up to you. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, my next one is Female V, played mm-hmm. by Sheremy Leia from Cyberpunk 2077. Sheremy? Sheremy. C H E R A M I. Sheremy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a weird name. Right. <laughs> uh, Again, this is a person that had to voice a character throughout the entire game, and there are so many strong performances from you know Keanu Reeves and all the other side characters in Cyberpunk 2077 that it was really great to have a character just like Shepard was in the Mass Effect trilogies to have a, a really great main character uh, voice actress just killing it uh, and res- and just working off all these other actors because you know it's probably not easy. They probably weren't even in the same room for all you know. Yeah. And just that many lines of dialogue over the course of the game, and then just even more as Phantom Liberty comes out next year. Just just a great performance. Just awesome as we see uh, all the different emotions as Johnny Silverhands is slowly taking over the body of V. Uh, just, man. Yeah, so I guess that would, like, you know, because I, I still haven't gotten through that game. Like, do you... Do you feel like you lose anything because it's first person, or it's it's so good that it, it or it, it's structured in a way that like it, you don't feel like you're losing anything? You no. know what I mean? Like like you like I don't see the face. Right, like yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. No, you, you I get don't a lot of so. the emotions just through the voice. And, yeah. All right, that's good. Yeah. So nice. Well, similarly, I also have a first-person shooting actor, <laughs> uh, Jason E. Kelly, for playing Colt Vaughn in Deathloop. Mm-hmm. Um, 
great, great, great at swearing. Yeah, very good at swearing. <laughs> but you know, really, really, I, I almost feel like I need to nominate Julia, Juliana, Julie. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her. Uh, Juliana, yeah, mm-hmm. the voice actress who played her as well, because like really, he shine. They both shine when they're bantering off of each other. Mm-hmm. There's just very, very good banter between the two. You know, whether they're like really just kind of shitting on each other throughout the whole game. So it's yeah. a lot of funny dialogue, a lot of things like that. But as you play through the game, you kind of realize they have a, a different relationship than you might think. And um, yeah, it was just kind of refreshing to to kind of get that much personality through a first-person shooting experience. And and I've never really played an arcane game, so I didn't know what to expect with that. But I was just you know pleasantly surprised that I wasn't trying to just skip forward with all the dialogue and everything. And I would usually kind of stop doing what I was doing if they were talking to one another. And yeah, it was just kind of it was just you know I think there is something very hard to do when it comes to comedic acting in general but especially voice acting and so you know was he the funniest character in the world no but like i feel like he did he did that that character very very well and he really made colt feel like a person not just another body that's being filled by a voice actor it like felt Mm -hmm. like he was living and breathing that guy so um yeah i was i was not expecting any of that when i went into that game and uh you know it was a was pleasantly surprised Oh. Yeah, that that is a very good one. Yeah. Um, and then my final nominee is the character Laura Kearney. Do you know who that is? Laura Kearney, the character. The character's name is Laura Kearney. You know what game that's from? Is that the Quarry? It is the Quarry. <laughs> is the main girl, the the girl that you are in the prologue. Uh, okay. Yeah, she was good. Played by Siobhan Williams. Siobhan. 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 Siobhan Williams. <laughs> uh, just great. Uh, this character is. She's the final girl, basically, you know, the the one, the, pretty much the main female character that somehow survives all these encounters. But uh, just a great performance, and again, the facial capture in that game was amazing, and and she had to go a wide range of emotions uh, throughout that game, just not just the horror vibe, but just even bouncing off of, uh, uh, what, Sam Raimi's brother? Or is it Ted? Sam? Yeah, Ted, Ted Raimi. Um, no, sorry, <laughs> my wife. Uh, just, just an overall great performance. I, I loved it. You know, she, she made that game, and I know I got one of the more positive endings, so that might have an impact on my love of uh, the character. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, just, just great overall. A great reason to play that game, and she killed it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I've thought about the quarry. All I can remember is the horrible job that the one guy did. Just the guy that talked like this the whole game. Oh, uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, is is he Will Smith's son? Yeah, from Detective Pikachu. That's not Will Smith's son. No way. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a Smith? Oh, Justice so. Smith. Isn't that Justice Smith? Hold on. Sorry, guys. We have to do a a, a live <laughs> check because I mean his name is Justice Smith. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost positive he's. I don't know. It is the most popular name in the world, and the last name. <laughs> live check. Live check. <laughs> Is he, if he's not a Smith, then I'm, I'm, that's crazy. He's not. Oh, wow, okay. Well, now my mind's going to just... <laughs> well, I thought he was... Yeah, he, he's, he's, not, he's not weird enough to be Will Smith's kid. <laughs> uh, anyway, cool. No, that's a good pick, man. Um, and then lastly, and I'm, I'm mad at you for not having him, Christopher Judge as Kratos. <laughs> um, nothing needs more to be said. You know, he you can watch his 19-minute Game Awards speech if you want to listen to him. Um, but... I just think what he did with that character, a character who was comedically um, talked about by everybody as just being the most one-note anger character ever to actually spin him around and give him some of the most emotion that I've seen in a video game character in a long time is is 
you know, is wild. And a lot of that credit goes to the writers, but it's his performance that brought it to life. And, uh, you know, I, I just think he, you know, he, he is Kratos now. Like he, from here on out, that's probably the number one reason this show I think is going to fall flat is that I just, like anybody who tries to be Kratos that doesn't look exactly like it does, it's just going to look like a cosplay. It's going to look like fan things. It's so, very hard. And and the voice, if the voice the isn't challenge. right too. Yeah. So it's just, he, Kratos, Kratos is Christopher Judge. Christopher Judge is Kratos. And uh, I don't think you can really compliment an actor more on that for yeah. something. So. All right. So the winner for best performance for me is Freya by Daniel Basuti. It's, again, she deserves her day in the sun, as she should have at least been nominated. Yeah. But here, for me, she wins. <laughs> she got the best most important award. Yeah, best performance. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send her a, a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, for me, it's Christopher Judge. I uh, I can't deny him. You know, I, I like to spread the love around, but I... Uh, you know, it might be a little bit of biasness seeping in, but he, he's so good. He's... He, <laughs> Everything I just said. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves it. All right. So next category. Okay. Best weapon. And disclaimer, I didn't play all of Elden Ring. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I know there's obviously a a shit ton in there, but, um, you know, I I felt a little disingenuous if I tried to, like, look at, ooh, what are the best Elden Ring weapons or whatever the case. So um, first and foremost, drop near spear, man. Uh, The new weapon for God of War. Um, hopefully you've played that game. I just realized that might have been a spoiler. Hopefully, um, a lot you know, of things you've been saying. Yeah, I'll, maybe, I'll put a spoiler. Yeah, we'll put a spoiler. Show notes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this is the new weapon you get in Ragnarok. You know, a lot of us, Nick and I included, thought you would for sure be getting Thor's hammer in this game. And you know, upon thinking about it further, it's like, well, then that, that's basically the same thing as the axe. So is that really that cool? But I thought the spear was was really the perfect weapon to give Kratos. You know, him having his Roman Greek background, you know, really makes sense because all those soldiers had that weapon. Um, the the fact that it was this ring that can just basically duplicate itself that you could just kind of throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it over again. Mm-hmm. Great mechanic. And then adding the you know the icing on the cake is holding triangle to explode everything around or you know every spear that was stuck into something is mm-hmm. was just a very satisfying um, combat, including you know, a god's arm, including including Heimdall's <laughs> stupid arm. You know, so I think it was just. You know what you would expect from that combat team. You know, just a very expertly designed weapon. That you know, I that's one of. At no point in that game did I feel like, oh, I have to use this weapon. They were all viable. They were all great, except you know if there was an element thing you had to deal with. And uh, yeah, I I love all three of those weapons so so much. Yeah, yeah, it is on my list as well. And you you said it perfectly, so I'll just leave it at that. Sure. <laughs> okay. And then my second weapon. Uh, the Heritage Gun from Deathloop. Now, there are four legendary guns you can get in this game that kind of operate differently. And for those who haven't played it, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're doing these little runs through a level, and you're oftentimes using the same guns over and over again. It might be a shotgun, might be a machine gun, might be a really powerful pistol. But the Heritage Gun is like, the best way I can explain it is a sniper shotgun where it shoots this you know super high powered slug at a distance so when i got this gun man i didn't I, I that's all i wanted to use because i could shoot guys from afar in one shot it made a super satisfying noise when you <laughs> shot it if i'm up close i switch it to the shotgun mode back and forth back and forth back and forth 
It's just I've never had a gun in a game, I think, that functioned both as a sniper and as a shotgun. And, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, it just I, – I the moment I got that gun, it instantly became one of my favorite, like, actual – just first-person shooting guns in really any game ever, I think. And, um, yeah, man, it was just super fun to use. I don't think I ever got that one. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of – it was kind of a bummer in that game is, you know, you – I think they had separate missions for the guns. And, so. like – you know, unless if you really are trying to, to do everything in that game, there's very little incentive to go through an entire run just to get a gun that you right. have to find, that you have to probably look up a guide for to know right. how to do it. Right. Um, yeah, I, th I think this one I just stumbled across, though, and then once I found out that that's how you get these guns, I, um, sorry, guys, <laughs> my wife again, I just need to silence my phone. Um, yeah, once I uh, got that, man, that's all, that's all I wanted to use. Yeah. So, so good. Okay, cool. Uh, the my next nominee is the weapon Skippy from Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> this is an AI smart machine gun that has a built-in AI that talks to you. Oh, nice. uh, when you meet it, it's it has two modes. It asks you if you want to be a puppy-loving pacifist or a stone-cold killer. You better uh, show pacifist. <laughs> Uh, and then when you, sh you sh depending on what you chose, it'll automatically home in either on their face or their limbs. Uh, just a cool gun. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, the bullets automatically will home in on their face if you're a stone cold killer. A cool gun, it sings, it talks to you, it, you know, it, it just, you'll just be playing randomly and it'll just be to start talking to you again. Uh, and then it eventually will become its own side quest. And it's just a gun you randomly pick up, so... You know, you just find it on a body in an alley, and then the story picks up from there. But uh, and it has a heads-up display of a little like Clippy version, but it's a bullet. If you remember Clippy from like Office, uh, the Office software, he looks I'm just like that. I see him every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's a he's a little bullet. Uh, just a great, great funny weapon, and again, taking advantage of that futuristic uh, aesthetic of cyberpunk. Sounds like a great nomination. I probably would. I mean, yeah. If if you have a gun that's talking to you and, and you can, it, it automatically goes based on what you tell. That's kind of cool. So, um, all right. Lastly, I had a hard time finding finding my last one, but when I thought back on you know a lot of my my um, gaming over the the year and difficulty and all that stuff, you know, it's hard to ignore Cuphead and Nick kind of put this little bug in my head earlier. You know, any of those weapons? I'm like, oh, maybe. But one that I think I vaults it into this list is the roundabout from Cuphead because it was a weapon that I was ignoring entirely throughout this entire game until I got to the very end and I was facing the devil and I didn't know I didn't know how to really get to him. There was just this weird pattern that he was doing that I, whatever everything I threw at him he would just get the better of me until I found out this roundabout gun which is basically a gun that shoots very minimally in front of you but then it shoots infinitely behind you so you can be running away from an enemy shooting it and it's just going to keep kind of coming back to him so you can kind of keep running away keep your distance where you need to and uh, I think I just hold that I love that that gun so much now because it allowed me to get my favorite platinum maybe of all time without it I don't think I would have gotten through it um, so yeah, just a shout out to the the roundabout from Cuphead. You know, don't don't sleep <laughs> on that if you want to get through the uh, get through the platinum. There's, and I'm sure it's like that with many of those guns. You know, each of those guns are probably tailored towards a couple specific bosses to make it a little easier. But um, yeah, that one was really just kind of. I think the moment I, I tried, it, I was like, oh oh yeah, okay, this is <laughs> this is the thing now. So. Yeah. All right, and then my final nominee. It's kind of unfair because this game was entirely built around this weapon. 
and that is the paintbrush from Chicory, a colorful tail. Uh, you wield this thing the entire time. It gets new abilities. It allows you to paint the entire environment, uh, to traverse and defeat enemies. Just a just a great and interesting mechanic to apply to that you know that third person, uh, well isometric view. Um, gameplay that a legend of zelda uh link to the past perfected um yeah just overall just great and fun and drawing silly drawings that look horrible because you're trying to draw with a controller uh and to be used as a brand for a pizza shop or a t-shirt company (laughs) is just silly and uh yeah just just a cool mechanic that you can just call you can paint the entire world if you wanted so uh just yeah just something different I did notice that you nominated Stray over Chicory. Stray's a better game, huh? <laughs> yes, I liked it more than All right. Chicory. All right, that's fair. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, so that's it. Um, you want to go first? It's the drop near Spear. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and I think the best part of it is it had to compete with the Leviathan Axe and the Chains of, of Chaos for, you know, best weapon and it was. It was a weapon that I loved using and wanted to play over those two at some point. So it's incredible, that's, man. That's awesome. It's incredible that the, the blades of <laughs> the blades of chaos are so good and then they the Leviathan axe comes in and you're like, Oh, this is fine. And then the drop near spear is so good that it makes both of those be like, No, those, I don't need those. <laughs> like it's top tier top tier weapon design, man. They just they know what they're doing over there. I, I do love the heritage gun, but um it's at the end of the day it's just another gun. Right. You know, and it's it's got to do you know something that I shoot has to be like ratchet and clanky or you know sunset overdrivey or mm-hmm. something to really get there. But the spear just spear felt so good, felt yeah. so good to use. Yeah. All right. Next category: best character to have a drink with. Uh, my first nominee is Ichiban Kasuga from Yakuza Like a Dragon. Because funnily enough, uh, how you level up your party members, your relationship with them. Is by having a drink with them. <laughs> and this is where Ichiban, who's a lovable character, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He gives you some nice, great, real world of advice. Is he the main guy? Yeah, that's the main okay. character. Yeah, okay. I should have mentioned that. Okay. He's the main protagonist of Yakuza Like a Dragon, who will be, who will be back uh, in the sequel. Uh, yeah, just a, just a great character. And yeah, if I could sit and have a drink with him and level up my relationship with him while he gives me some good real world advice, you know, that that's pretty good. Yeah, no, that's, that's that. I think anybody in a Yakuza series would probably be fun to have a drink with. Like they're all zading. Like fucking, what's his name, man? Um, starts with an M. What's his name? Shit. <laughs> all right, well, I'll I'll come back to that. It's okay. like the goofy guy from the original. Oh like, yeah, I can't remember his name, but. Um, all right, so I'll just hit off. Start with my my obvious one, Mimir, dude. Um, I don't I don't know if you could ask for a better drinking partner than Mimir. This guy is just full of storytelling. He's the smartest the, the smartest man alive. He could obviously just, you know, regale you a story after story and talk, you know, just be somebody that want to have a drink with. Now, you'd probably have to give him his drink. You probably have to like tip the beer into his mouth because he has nothing besides a head, but you know that's okay because I, I think everything else would make it worthwhile. And you know he's got like the Scot- beer bong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just put it in a funnel into his mouth. He's got the Scottish Irish accent thing already. You know he just any he, any he seems like somebody who really really values his friends. Like that's I, I would imagine one of his strongest characteristics. So uh, yeah, man, I would love to have a drink with Mimir. Yeah, and I would as well as I also nominated Mimir. 
yeah. as that. So you can you can read off your next one. Cool. All right. Well, I'm gonna stick with God of War then. Um, <laughs> now there's a caveat for this one. I put Sindri, but happy Sindri. Okay. I don't want depressed Sindri oh. <laughs> because he's he's kind of a shithead. But happy Sindri, you know, first half of the game Sindri is is funny lovable he makes jokes he you know he's a dwarf so obviously he can drink um and uh yeah he just seems like he's like that guy at the bar that you know might be a good wingman he's you know i'm a dwarf i'm not gonna pick up the chicks but like (laughs) hey i'll go i'll go introduce you and uh and yeah and you know he's uh just seems like a good companion to hang out with so it's a little awkward and silly (laughs) that's fine i'm awkward and silly okay i'm awkward and silly so you know it's it's it it fits come on nick have i ever made you uncomfortable in any situations (laughs) I'm good, I'm good at that. Yeah. Um, my final nominee then is Jackie Wells from Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, this is the, your first companion, your buddy. You drink with him a lot in the game. Um, and, I mean, it was in a trailer. Uh, he doesn't... Things don't go well for him. Uh, he, he dies very early on in the game. And the fact that that is a powerful moment despite it being spoiled in a trailer for the game leading up to it (laughs) (laughs) and knowing that it was going to happen it's still that's just the impact of that character and then when you know when he was alive and you're hanging out with him he's just like another another character that wears their heart on their sleeve is very loyal like a lot of these characters we mentioned are um and yeah just would be a good good guy he'd have some good stories for you too sure sure all right my last one is uh fia the deathbed companion from elden ring do you know do you know who this is nick is this the one that hugged you yeah this is the one that embraces you puts your head right in her bosom lets you lets you get comfortable and relax so yeah you know she she doesn't talk much i'm not a, i'm not a talker either so like you know we can sit at the bar you know maybe you have something to say maybe you don't you just sit there quietly and she goes you want a hug I'm like yeah i want a hug i give her a hug go back to my drink you know oh, you want to watch the sports game nah change it I give her another hug <laughs> And, uh, you know, and then we're good. So, you know, Fia, man. What an odd relationship that would be. That would be an odd night. This is my dream, man. You know, I have have somebody that can give me hugs and and I don't have to talk to you. There is something to be said because people do get paid to give people hugs and cuddle for... You know, times <laughs> nobody wants to be maidenless nick i mean you gotta you gotta have a maiden so uh yeah man fia <laughs> all right so i guess uh, it was winter time uh, i should have picked jormungander nah <laughs> uh my winner is jackie wells from cyberpunk 2077 again a great character a great introduction to that world and again just a a powerful person to have by your side in those opening missions and opening encounters and just just a great guy. Sure. Mamir for me. Yeah. He's uh you know, I, I feel like this category is made for a Mamir. Like I, I literally can't like I can't think of another per like he's he is the smartest man in the world that has more stories than you could possibly like what else do you need from a drinking buddy? You know, you're good. So um yeah, God of War continues to win awards. Yeah, sorry. Every every everyone has been nominated for it. So yeah, except for best. Yeah, obviously, yeah, best indie game has won. So, yeah. All I, right. Uh, well, you we'll see if that. it does the clean sweep, John. What is our final category? Game of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. So I ranked my three. Uh, oh, did okay. you rank your three? No, I did not. Okay. So I want to start out with a shout a shout out. Okay. Because. It feels wrong not to at least talk about this game one more time. I cannot explain to you how much I like Into the Breach. I, to this day, play it 
I, I do the same type of 8 by 8 bullshit every single time, and somehow <laughs> it's still engaging. Like, I don't know what it is where I just get – you get into these situations, and you just – the ways you can analyze it and, and to tackle, it's just – fucking great and i don't like strategy games it just it blows my mind so nick please if you haven't tried it yet like just put it on I your phone i've tried it you have tried it okay it's on my phone all right so it's you know it's just really really i really 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 like it it's a bummer it's not on playstation because i would definitely try and get the platinum in that um but maybe not because i play i do admittedly play the game on easy because i don't want to be too stressed out right so uh shout out to into the breach my number three game of the year is undertale Ooh. Really that good for me. I, I I don't need to say more about it, and um, you should definitely play it if you have not yet. Okay, okay, I can pick up this uh, this ranking. So my number three... yeah, that way number one <laughs> number one's game of the year. Blah, blah, blah. Right. My number three is a Plague Tale Requiem. Again, I was introduced to this franchise this year, and it was great to fit in the first game before this came out. This still is one of the prettiest games on PlayStation. There, there's an island in this game, and the beaches, and the kites flying, and just the grass moving. It is a showcase for what games are going to look like in the future, and I can't wait. And just not the future, Nick. Now the future's now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. But this is the kind of the first game where I was like, yep. oh shit, like yep. wow, um, and just a, a great story, great performances all around. Um, again, one of the kind of got overlooked between the big shadows of God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring. But yeah, I would recommend trying that first game. And then if you like it, go right into this. It's great. I've been meaning to get back to that. You know, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nick and I don't know. I know what Nick's remaining two games are. <laughs> I think Nick knows what my remaining two games are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think either of us know where we ranked them. So <laughs> the two games are Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok, right? For me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I like will... Like a lot of people. <laughs> I, like a lot of people. So while playing through God of War, I was convinced that my game of the year was going to be Elden Ring. The Souls formula, for me, is the pinnacle of game formula. There's just something about that cycle of, you know, uh, tooth and nail, fighting your way through even basic mobs is tough, to getting that experience, to fighting the final boss, to playing the way you wanted to, and to put that into an open world as good as that open world is, it's amazing what they were able to do with that series and and to continuously surprise people with you know random boss encounters that fly down where you're not expecting it or stumbling across a door that leads to a cavern that you think is a small little area and it opens up into this you know crazy big underground area whatever the case may be it truly is a very 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 special game but it's probably my second favorite game this year and there is also a small caveat. I have not beaten it, but I can confidently say because I am—I've played every other Souls game. I, I know I know what there is to offer, but I'm just going to kind of well. I'm, I'll finish with my Elden Ring, then we'll both. I think it'll be interesting when you do complete Elden Ring. That yeah. will, uh, this question will be presented to you. Yeah, again. yeah, we're definitely going to have to re- revisit this. But I just, yeah, I'll save the God of War talk for when we talk about number one, but. Elden Ring, you know, it really, it really changed the landscape. It, it consumed all of the oxygen in the room as, tar- as in terms of, you know, discussion on podcasts, websites, whatever the case. You know, reviewed 
unfathomably high and I think just is really going to be looked upon in years to come as one of those touchstone games that kind of shifted the way that the industry handles open worlds and and not holding your hand so much and not having all these markers everywhere let you be the one who puts the markers and find the interesting things yeah and um, you know it and I think I think from software is just maybe the most talented team in the world man like they just they just know how to make Make something that their fans <laughs> will devour. Yeah. Like, they just, they have some secret sauce. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I wish I loved their gameplay loop because, as you, as you as you mentioned, just being, like, thrown into a world similar to, like, a Skyrim and just, yeah. and just finding things and the stories that just generate themselves that they're not just given to you, like, cookie crumb, like most games are like a like god of war ragnarok that you know that leads the player into the exciting stuff right you know where elden ring is the players discover the exciting stuff you know and listening to uh, uh jason trier talk about his best games and his favorite game of the year was elden ring and for that very reason like he the story he told was uh, just a story that just randomly generated in elden ring like it everything's just, organic yeah it's not something that was scripted it's not something that happens to every player but it's his story it occurred in the game and it's always amazing that developers can at least put you in the space where that can potentially happen mm-hmm. you know that's yep. There's something to be said about all that. Yeah, you know the game pretty well for somebody who won't play it. <laughs> I, I just can't. I know, man. I, just I can't. know. I know. It's not my thing. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, you know what my final two games are. Cyberpunk and God of War. What do we got? Oh yeah. What's my number two? It's God of War. You Ragnarok. piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've talked about God of War Ragnarok enough, and yep. I'll let John it's his final game and to really kind of put the cap on it. But uh, just just a, a great game, and again, it, it's going to beat Elden Ring for John currently. But it, again, it, it, it was in the conversation with Elden Ring, like that's mm-hmm. incredible, and just for Sony Santa Monica to, to raise the level on a very high bar that you know even when we we're talking about what we think this is going to review we didn't think they could do it you know we thought this game was going to review slightly lower and i think it's probably what what maybe one point lower than i think right. it's a 93 to 94 i think it's 93 or 95 oh but okay so, I mean, I, yeah but it's still it's just it's incredible uh, a great story a great ending just and great boss fights as we talked about just there's nothing there they did everything right yeah new enemies new everything just i man i just <laughs> do, you, do you think it's a little bloated i know a lot of people think maybe it's a little bloated. there are a few zones that i didn't like vanaheim you yeah. suck yeah i agree <laughs> vanaheim can get fucked everywhere, everywhere else is fine it was just too it was too windy there was too many yeah. dead end slash like ways to get places and it's funny that we take because we're completionists so we, mm-hmm. we wanted that platinum like i'm sure if a normal person plays the game they're probably not gonna say that yeah but uh but yeah just an overall just great game and yeah i'll, I'll stop talking because i know let's hear it john yeah so <laughs> like i said man i i as i was playing through like the first half of this game i i did have that sense of that a lot of people have where it's like okay this is good but it is kind of more of the same even down to like the first time you see thor and it's like okay i'm having another huge fight out of the, my house right like right, you do with yeah. balder but one thing I'm learning about myself while doing this podcast is that I'm, I contradict myself quite often, right? And I've said many, many times on this show that I'm a gameplay guy and that narrative doesn't really matter to me. 
But after I've platinumed this game and I've sat with it and I've seen the big moments that they had, I, I've kind of realized that the way to elevate yourself, at least with me, beyond just like something I really like to something that I truly love and can't stop thinking about is you need to you need to tackle something that I don't care about, but elevate it to a point where all of a sudden it's it's you know something I. I cherish or love and the narrative is that in god of war similarly to the end of the breach right i think into the breach i like so much because i went into it thinking i'm gonna hate it and i <laughs> and i ended up loving it because it, it introduced something new to me and for god of war the journey that you go on with kratos and atreus and uh, you know again i'm a dad of a five-year-old son so i see a lot of parallels there it just it spoke to me in a way that i wasn't expecting you know the the hopefully spoilers don't need to be said anymore but you know one of the last lines in the game between Atreus and Kratos is just I still think about it today where you know you, Atreus is ready to go off on his own he's proved to his dad that he is ready and and you you can see it in Kratos's face that he he finally is going to accept it and he says you know the line Loki can go but Atreus stays right here and he like hits his heart and it's just like that's it's such beautiful writing to me and so when you combine this this narrative and it's not just Kratos and Atreus it's the relationship of Odin and Atreus it's Sindri with everybody it's there's so many different tight tight well constructed intimate narratives that are woven throughout this whole story that when you can combine that with the gameplay that it has the combat that it has which when you get into a flow there there are some fights where it's like ah, i don't feel right right now something isn't hitting but then there's some fights where you're, you're doing everything perfectly your meters are recharged at the right time you're you're you know doing everything the way you want to and graphically and all that other stuff it's just <laughs> it's so good and elden ring might get there you know i've as much as i love the soul series i know some people love the lore and the stories that you can get by reading that stuff i've never really gotten into that maybe if i really put the effort in with elden ring like i can get that narrative side of it too but i just think that if i'm really bearing down and thinking about me as a gamer and what i like and not letting other people or other feelings or thoughts affect it it's hard for me not to choose ragnarok above elden ring i mean i i put down elden ring right i didn't really want to but i did and i'm and i'm back into it now we'll have more to say <laughs> in a couple of weeks and i'm loving it i just feel like ragnarok putting a bow on that story um you know, Sony Santa Monica somehow, much like Naughty Dog did with The Last of Us 2 for me, they somehow improved upon what they did. And, and I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm already excited to play that game with my son when he's old enough. You know, I, I, I think that, that might be that might be rough. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Dad, why are you crying? <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Don't ever leave. What do, you, what do you mean? I'm in college. Oh, God. So, um, yeah, man, I got to, you know, I guess so what? Five of my six awards went to Ragnarok. Yeah. But uh, what can you say when you love something that much It's and it's that good? I, I, no, I, don't. I mean, that was the Game Awards, too. It was like, yep. you know, Ragnarok and Elden Ring just yep. back and forth, so... Alright, let's hear why Cyberpunk's <laughs> better than God of War. And somebody who hates first-person shooters. Yeah, it, I, yeah, I did have that thought that both my best indie game and game of the year <laughs> first were both first-person games, which is, again, as I've said before, I love being surprised. Uh, not that I was going to be surprised by Cyberpunk 2077, but granted, two years ago, being very disappointed that I was going to have to be put it down because it was unplayable, or just in a state where I didn't want to play it, and just having to wait and wait and wait until this year when it was finally ready 
and then getting thrown into that game, spending over a hundred hours into it, mm-hmm. finishing it, getting the platinum, and still wanting to play more. It's still installed on my PlayStation. You know, Cyberpunk just throws you into the gutter of Night City, and you just get lost and immersed in its giant skyscrapers, its you know vast deserts, uh, and it's complemented by one of the most amazing cast: uh, Goro, Judy, Johnny, Dum Dum, <laughs> Jack. I got Jackie again? No, Jackie, Pan Am, Delamain, and just there's just so many great characters. They're so well acted it's just you get lost and every new side quest is an introduction to another great character that you care about and the story will go in unexpected places i do want to highlight my favorite quest in the game called dream on it's just a side quest that really goes into some crazy shit uh i won't spoil it here it's just that good of a twist please don't <laughs> but yeah when uh, when you meet the jeffersons they definitely see them through their quests. So. Mr. Jefferson from South Park. There's <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> they're they're a, they're a power couple and the husband is running for mayor of Night City. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Oh, but, love uh, power couples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just it's so good and just tons of stories, tons of just again, it's kind of like Elden Ring, just kind of just things that happen in the world that you come across that you're just gonna remember forever and just. The game's good. And it's all in first person. Like, the immersion level of that game is just on another level because of how well the world is realized, the music, how your character interacts with that world. You're just not, like, the a floating camera, like, in Fallout or Skyrim or looks like Starfield. You know, you're a person that emos. You look down, you see your body, you look... You can look at your hands and when you're sitting down you put your hands on the table you know stuff just the, the light little touches that really get you in that world and yeah it's john i want you to play i know i know <laughs> as as we'll discuss folks like I'm, I'm i'm trying to get back into elden ring now but like i have been kind of like looking for that next thing and i installed cyberpunk again because i know nick loves it so I'm, i didn't realize he liked it more than ragnarok but uh, <laughs> but that's fine of course and so yeah, I want to. I want to get back into it. Do you do you think any of any of your reason for choosing it over Ragnarok is is by just the design of the game and just being a truly open world that you could explore as opposed to kind of being more refined, or is it right. really just the writing and characters that you feel are so much better than than Ragnarok, or not so much better, but a little bit better? Right. I, yeah, I just think I think you're, uh, there's more surprises to be had. Not that there weren't surprises in God of War, but I think. Yeah, just, again, similar to, like you said, Elden Ring is, like, just getting lost in that world and having the freedom to tackle it how you choose uh, is, is definitely a plus, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just all the sights. And, it's like, again, it's just getting lost in another world like that. Like, just what a, a futuristic city might be like. Uh, it's a little, a little too horny than I think the real world will be like in <laughs> 2077. Know, but uh, <laughs> a little too horny. But uh, yeah, just the, just an overall, just great experience and with great writing and yeah, not, not to say God of War Ragnarok is an incredible. I, no, of course, of course, not, I, none of this is. I yeah. can wake up tomorrow and probably feel differently about God of War Ragnarok and say it's better than Cyberpunk 2077. 
But no, I mean that's that's what makes a good game of the year discussion, man. Is you want to have something where you're trying to figure it out, not just like, well, it's like I don't know what was last year. Well, last year was even a weird year because it was like it takes two and you know so yeah. But every once in a while you'll get you know a year where it's like obviously it's this thing, and so yeah, you want you want a little bit of conflict because that means there's you're eating good this year. Yeah, yeah. When, um, when a couple titans come out in the same year, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cyberpunk didn't come out this year, but no, that's fair. For us, it did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's that. That is our winners for all of our categories. Uh, if you want to share yours, go right ahead. We'll read them next week at the start of the show. Um, just whew, what a year. It was, yeah, it, you know, it was better. I've heard a lot. Have you heard a lot of, like, conversation from the games media that's, like, said this year was really bad? I, that would be insane to me. Okay, that's 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 Colin Moriarty being being very bitter because <laughs> he doesn't like God of War that much. Therefore, you know, and he doesn't, and, he, and he's not a Souls guy. So like, if you, oh, if, yeah, guess, if you don't yeah. like those two things, I guess I could see that. But no, I mean, I think next year is going to be another year of Titans with Final Fantasy 16, Zelda. Obviously, we won't talk about that too much on here, being that this is PlayStation. But I'm sure I'll be playing it, so I'm sure I'll have to say something, uh, at least a little bit, just on how it is. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that yeah, I guess that figures Cyberpunk. For those who don't know, The Witcher Three is one of Nick's favorite games of all time. <laughs> Nick, can I show your ID or no, your PSN ID? Uh, yeah, okay. it's it's Geralt of something, and uh, so you know it makes sense. He likes he likes CD Projekt Red, and uh, yeah, and yeah, well deserved. I said, and I'm I'm happy for you because. It would have been such a bummer if they never fixed that game into a point where you could True. get through it nice and and then that's you know so much hidden but yeah all right folks we did it we did that's it that's a year and well, as, kind of half a year and as John mentioned next podcast we will be talking as we just wrapped up 2022 now we're gonna look into 2023 and we're gonna break it down we're gonna go through our most anticipated we're gonna have predictions PlayStation VR is coming out next year and. You know, we're not. We don't really want to flame the console wars, but every other publisher next year: Zelda, Starfield, Redfall, Spider-Man 2. Like it's gonna be, you know, game of the year next year is gonna be a bloodbath if mm-hmm. all these games come out. Yeah. Um, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Diablo 4. It's Hollow just, Knight. <laughs> yeah. Silk Song. Maybe, where are you? Maybe Hades too. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna be, it just yeah. In DLC, Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty. Burning Shores for Horizon. It's just going to be nonstop. And again, Resident Evil 4. We don't even know. Like, Sony's so keeping it so close to the vest. Like, we don't know what else is coming out this year. I, mean, I would say historically, Sony likes to have two or three, mostly three, first party releases in a year. Mm-hmm. We only know about Spider Man. They could be using Final Fantasy 16 as a fill in. And they have VR releasing, so like yeah, it, VR they, is going to disrupt. I think that normal cadence. right. So I would expect two. I yeah. would expect Spider-Man and something else to come out at a, yeah. at a minimum. Well, and then, you know factions might show up. So yeah, we'll and, see. But and, and as I mentioned at the start of the show, maybe we should rebring back the DefCon level because there has to be something before there has to be a either VR, yeah. a state of play, a showcase for PSVR, like the big blowout. Yeah. Half-Life Alex, where are you? <laughs> you yep. know. Yep. So. Uh, they gotta, they gotta get, you know, it's Horizon Call of the Mountain. Yeah, okay, but they really need that that showstopper. And I think right. saying Half Life Alex will be there 
at launch would be huge. That's the one. And so. we still don't we don't know what a Sobe's doing. Like they could have a yeah. thing where they say, Hey, we are doing it, it's just not gonna be ready for launch. Yeah, we'll have it out in the Yeah. We'll have yeah. it out in the summer fall. Yeah. But. So that'll be the entire show. We might not we'll might dish the format again next week. Um, and then after that we'll start getting into all those games we've been playing. Inscription, what happened to me and Neon White. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more Elden Ring. I want to hear more Elden Ring. I want to. I want John to tell us a story of something that happened sure. to him in Elden Ring. Just so, just so the audience knows where I'm at. I just beat Margit. I am in uh, Stormvale Castle, um, making my way to my nominee for best boss fight of the year with uh, Godric, who I already did beat. <laughs> I did beat him in my last playthrough, so I, I do know. I do know of him. I just. And, I have to restart things. That's how I operate. And it's coming, John. Two weeks we'll be watching HBO's The Last of Us. Yeah. So, oh my God. God, yeah. 2023, man. Yeah. <laughs> Off to a start. Yeah. So, uh, John, what song are we leaving them on? Uh, we're taking it back to a 2019 Game of the Year contender of Control, and this is obviously the best part of the game, the Ashtray Maze. So, from the Old Gods of Asgard, <laughs> the song is called Take Control. It's eight minutes long. <laughs> John likes the long one. Yeah, well, I didn't think it was going to be that long. I guess it just had to be for the Ashtray Maze portion. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a banger. It's more heavy. It's kind of heavy metal-esque. And the fact that they yell, take control, in the beginning of the song is ridiculous. <laughs> and so, yeah, enjoy. Cool. All right. And then finally, I do want to thank everyone who listened to us in 2022. You know, we didn't know if we wanted to do a podcast. I'm very happy with how it's turning out. And we hope to make it even better next year. So all of us who who stuck with us for all of our audio issues, all the different things that had happened as we tried to learn how to record a podcast. We appreciate and we love you all. And absolutely everything Nick said. I I will add one thing, like for the marks out there, anybody else, like it really would help if you know a friend or two, a family member, somebody that <laughs> that you think might enjoy our content, it's you know it just would be nice to get a couple extra ears, keep this thing going, and you know we have some ideas for future content that would be fun, but like really not possible without some fan or you know audience participation. So if there's anybody you know or mm-hmm. you know uh, work, if you have a bulletin board, whatever the case, you know we uh, we would appreciate any of that kind of stuff. And um, but if not, if you just want to keep coming back and listening to us, we like that too. So. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. There you go. All right. So happy 2022. We will see you next year in 2023. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Take control.